0: The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad, pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast.
1: What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast podcast. The uh, Stop Asking Me Stupid Effing Questions uh, edition. Uh, I am Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports columnist. I'm joined by Jason Muns, our Tiger basketball beat writer as always. It has been uh, quite the eventful week since we last joined you. The Tigers lose to SMU. Um, Penny Hardaway gets a question that he does not uh, appreciate in the post-game press conference, it becomes a full-blown national story, his response. Um, and then the shorthanded Tigers go on the road, come from behind, uh, down 15 points in the second half and beat Tulsa uh, for a game that, you know, a game where if they had lost, it really really would have felt like this thing was spiraling. Um, instead, it turns into... Um, a very resilient win um, that uh, then leads into a revenge game, hopefully against ECU this week, Thursday night at FedEx Forum. So we'll talk about the Tulsa win. We'll talk about the SMU game. We'll talk about Penny's um, tongue lashing of the media um, that went viral. And uh, we'll get you ready for the road ahead. What, um, you know, what... was this the moment the season turned around i don't i don't know uh we'll we'll discuss uh jason want to bring you in here uh first before we get to anything else you were in tulsa mm-hmm. you were there in person for the comeback i was not how how big a deal do you think that was to those players and coaches who were in tulsa that they were able to salvage that and get a win? Like, what did it feel like after the game in the arena uh, as you were talking to them in terms of just, you know, how important it was at least to them? Yeah, well, so, I mean, there's a lot that
0: went into it, you know, and, and we should kind of recap that. Uh, you know, Memphis has not won a game at the Reynolds Center in Tulsa since March 3rd, 2012 when will scored 30 points and joe jackson contributed 16 like that's how far back we're talking it's been since they've won in that building and that can't be ignored i mean like that that's been a house of horrors uh you know almost like they were cursed like you know even more so after the 80 40 game you were there for that
1: correct I was, yes, I was in Tulsa. I was courtside for that. That was, uh, ugh. yeah, you, yeah, that was, that was stunning. I remember being stunned.
0: Right. Like you and me were both there, uh, uh, three seasons ago, 80 to 40. Just, it was like, what, where, what's going on? So you take all that into account. They go in there again. They're on a three game losing streak. They've won just four times, 12 games. Um, Leading up to it, um, you got the news right before the game starts that Jalen Duran is added to the list of, uh, unhealthy, uh, injured players, um, he, uh, Durin, De- Deandre Williams, Landers, Nolly, Jaden Hardaway is not going to go. Oh, by the way, Larry Brown isn't go- Isn't there either? Um, you know, and all this at the end of a week, where we found out that Rasheed Wallace isn't coming back, uh, that he's moved into a quote consultant's role and working, quote remote for the rest of the season. I mean, it's like so. It was a big deal. It it, it really was. Uh, you know, in the context of all of that, it was a big deal. You know, like in the in that we we were waiting in the uh, in the hallway outside the locker room um, for players and coaches and stuff to 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 come to us for interviews and um you could tell it was a it was kind of a boisterous atmosphere you know music was loud the players were happy um they seemed happy you know i couldn't see them um but but they seemed happy uh and and everything you know now so all that being said uh you know how how monumental or how much means going forward we'll see i mean doesn't mean much if you come back out Thursday and
1: lay an egg. Yeah. So it'll yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, a couple things that really stood out to me in that game. One, um, I thought Penny did a pretty good job. Um, you look at this from the perspective of this is a Tulsa team that has really given Penny, you know, other than Houston, feels like Tulsa's given him more fits than anyone in the conference over the his four years as the coach. Um, and yes, this is a particularly bad Tulsa team. Let's just be straight up about it. I mean, you mentioned it's the first win since 2012, probably the worst Tulsa team in just as many just as many years. Um, Frank Haith, Mike, you know, Mike, there's a decent chance he's this is his last season as the head coach, to be quite honest. But regardless whether it was Little Sisters of the Poor or Tulsa or Houston or Duke, shooting 70% for an entire half in a college basketball game is really impressive. Um, and that's what Memphis did in this game. They missed one two-point basket after halftime. And the way they navigated through that zone, I thought, showed some growth, both from the player's perspective and from a strategic perspective. They were running that high-low with with Dandridge. Tyler Harris was once again fantastic offensively, really stretching the floor. Minot gave them quite a bit, I thought, in terms of versatility <laughs> offensively with his ability to rebound, but also his ability to penetrate into the zone. It was a, uh, it was a, uh, the The second half was really impressive. I, I thought actually the whole game, they did a nice job against the zone. They just didn't hit as many shots in the in the first half. Um but just the second half in particular, though, I think to me, spotlighted once again why, you know, uh, I know a lot of people found what Penny said after the SMU game galvanizing. I'll be honest. For me, it kind of fell on some deaf ears a little bit because, like that, as the Tulsa second half showed, there's the cupboard is is much bare than we thought it would be with all the injuries. They still got enough guys where they should be. They can win games in in the AAC. Like they didn't lose that SMU game because they didn't have enough guys. They lost the SMU game because they played a horrific opening ten minutes of the game. And put themselves in a hole where, yes, now, because you don't have all these guys who are injured, you can't come back. But, like, let's not ignore that they played a horrific ten minutes in that SMU game. Like, I don't think they lost that game because they were too shorthanded. They lost the game because they came out and laid an egg to start the game. Um, And then the coming back was too hard. I mean, when you're shorthanded, you know, but I I thought the Tulsa game underscored to me, like whether they get healthy or not, like they still got some dudes on this team. You know, Tyler Harris is a dude now, you know, like he's playing, he's playing his butt off. He's playing as well as, you know, most, you know, he's up there with any guard in the AAC right now. And, you know, you've got Josh Minot really coming into his own as a player. And Alex Lomax had a, you know, really gutty game. No, you know, the type of game that you were ho- – that this is what you want from Alex Lomax. Eight points, seven assists, no turnovers, that steady leader, the head of the snake. Um, you know, defense. so – What's that? Yeah, de- giving you good defense. defense. Um yeah. You know, Earl Timberlake had some timely buckets in that game for you. Um, I'm not saying they're, they're full strength and they could go out and beat Houston, but I also just don't think they are, they, they are like a woe, it's a woe is me situation for them. Um, and hopefully that Tulsa win kind of boosts their confidence moving forward that, you know, to kind of demonstrate to them, Hey, like, you know, we're not totally down in the dumps, you know, as a team, I know it's not, we don't have the roster we thought. But we still have a roster that's pretty good. We still started a top 50 recruit or top 60 recruit who started who's played 72 games in Lester Quinonez, a top 35 recruit who was a fir- projected first round pick before the year in Earl Timberlake, a top 50 freshman who's getting NBA buzz in Josh Minot. He start what? Oh, he didn't start. Oh, you're right. He started the SMU game, not the, uh, not the, not the, uh, Tulsa game. Um, but you had Alex Lomax, a veteran, uh, Malcolm Dandridge, a veteran. So, um, there, you know, there, you know, again, it's not what you thought you were going to have at the beginning of the year, but it, it's still something. And they showed that in that second half against Tulsa. Um, they were, they were fantastic. Um, so hopefully they can carry that over um what do you make though jason well let me get let me tell you this first before we go any further let me tell you about the new sports app we've launched as a part of our usa today family usa today sports plus is the new sports app that puts the fans first. Get the latest scores, stats, and standings and enjoy interactive experiences with our award-winning sports writers like Jason Munns. Download USA Today Sports Plus from the Apple or Google Play stores today. USA Today Sports Plus Fan Harder. Um, Let's talk about the... the, uh, the press conference that went viral uh, after the SMU game in detail. Um, Penny Hardaway is asked a question uh, by Jeff Cawkins, uh, my predecessor in this role as the commercial appeal sports columnist. Um, uh, among other things, uh, asked him, uh, Do you still, this is after the SMU loss, you know, do you ever find yourself losing faith that you can get this done? being the Memphis coach and Penny goes at Memphis. Um, and, and then Jeff follows up by saying, well, you know, are you, were you embarrassed at all by what happened? You know, like what happened tonight, for instance, and that it felt like the second part really is what triggered Penny, the embarrassed, using the word embarrassed. Well, here, here's my t-
0: real quick. Okay. Here's my take. on it. After examining and re examining and analyzing because I've spent a lot of time on this on this clip. I'm half it's kidding. Yours but, Zabruder,
1: it's your Zabruder film.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm only half kidding. But uh, it looked like the first part, I believe that the first part was going to get a harsh reaction. Mm-hmm. I think that the second part is what got the f bombs. And the. Yeah,
1: that's, and the what, that's what we. I mean, that was the that was that was what got the stupid effing questions comment
0: right right. I think uh, yes, I think that um I think that's what helped push it over the edge. I think Penny was going to react in a in a um defensive manner and probably, you know, probably for him go off uh, based on the first half of the question. The second half, I think is what turned it into what it became.
1: Yeah, I would I would say the concept of the questions were fine was fine. I think yeah. the way they were worded was, you know, put Penny in the position like, for instance, you know, have you lost faith you can get the job <laughs> supposed to answer there? Yes, I've lost faith that I can get the job. Like he can't answer, you know, like what what answer were you expecting him to give there? I think the concept <laughs> of, you know, why isn't this working? You know, why haven't you got it done yet? I like that the concept of it is fair. Um given what's any, transpired. Any, any, yeah,
0: any boxer, any UFC fighter is going to come out swinging when they feel like they're backed into a corner like that. And so, you know, and I and I think everybody understands that. I think you know, I feel like Jeff probably understands that that, you know, that that's that's there's, you know, Penny reacted the the way most uh he, he reacted in a reasonable manner and that, and that's how I feel about it.
1: Yeah, well, I don't, I don't have a problem with the f bombs. I know Penny apologized uh, the next day via Instagram, you know, and I, I think you know, I I heard from some people who were you know a little disappointed. You know, he's a representative of the university; he shouldn't be, even though they didn't, you know, the question people didn't like the question, you know, he should have answered in a you know a more more a manner more consistent with the position he has i personally had no problem like i mm. had no problem with him dropping f-bombs i'm a you know a grown mm. man um but whatever he apologized to the fans and the university uh and his players and team and that it, it was fine whatever that was good my problem was the actual response like i thought it was not grounded in um ultimately in like like my, my biggest issue with it was he's talking about how this team would be so great if they were full, you know, had the full roster like they weren't so great with the full roster. And, he, you know, like like that was my biggest issue is it was like once again, Penny either purposefully just bypassing it public, like not taking ownership of the fact that like, you know, and I, I've I've been pretty frank about this and I'm sure some fans disagree with me. Like, I think this season, overall, he hasn't done a great job coaching this team. I mean, they lost four games with the full roster, okay? And they lost to ECU by, like, collapsing down the stretch. They lost to Tulane in a one-basket game, even though they were shorthanded. Like, those are games, you know, I think he could have coached better in, for instance, you know, like the UCF game, you know, on the road, like I kind of got that and I didn't kill him for it. You know, the SMU game, we're talking about how shorthanded they are. Like they weren't so shorthanded where they had to go 10 minutes without scoring a basket. You know, like they came out and they looked totally unprepared for that game against SMU. They weren't playing hard. And that's what kind of got overlooked with the outburst is one of the things Penny said. And one of the things that changed in the Tulsa game, I thought they played a lot harder in the Tulsa game. Like Penny even mentioned it in the post SMU press conference. Like that didn't look like a Memphis team. They weren't fighting. And I think he's right. Um, And I think that's also part of what his outburst was, was like, I, I think he was a little embarrassed, not by like their, them overall, but by how they came out in that game. You know, like, uh, you know, that was not a good showing. And so and then he's talking about how he's playing for freshmen. Well, like I, you're not playing for freshmen for Earl Timberlake is not a freshman. He's 21 years old. He's actually like an old sophomore. He's a sophomore. And, you know, by listed, you know, by his listed class. But he's 21 years old. He's the same age as Lomax. Um
0: but you get his point. He's because he only played seven games at Miami last season. He hasn't even played a full one full season of college basketball yet. So,
1: so neither had DeAndre Williams last year. Like I, I'm so. I mean, I don't know if I buy that. Like you go, like there, he's a, he's 21 years old.
0: Like I just was saying for the record. I just was saying for the record yeah. that, that's why he said he's comparing him to a freshman. But but, but, I
1: guess, I, but yeah, ahead. like ultimately, like ultimately, like it is not like. It's not a good league this year, the AAC. Right now, it's a one-bid league, and you haven't played Houston yet. And, like, I I just felt like – I actually felt the contents of his response – I had no problem with the tone of his response. I thought the contents of his response was what I had a problem with. Like, yeah, you're shorthanded. But you know what? Like, one, injuries happen. Two, like, you still have a better roster – than most of the teams in the AAC. Three, and we can get into this. I I don't understand why these guys who are redshirting are still redshirting if they're so short-handed, they're playing walk-ons.
0: Like well, he's explained he has explained it. He 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 has explained it multiple times. Um he, he said uh he leaves to them. He leaves it up to the player. If they want to redshirt, he's not going to uh
1: strip them of their of their choice you know well, here's um, what I would say to that those kids yeah. all better not transfer this offseason if any of those if John if yeah. those kids leave this offseason and you redshirted them this year when you were this shorthanded that's a, again another slip up as coach like to me these games you're you were you know lose like like, to me, someone like John Camden or Jonathan Lawson, like, could have made a difference in the Tulane game. Could have made a difference in the ECU game. Like, and you if, you, if those two results are different, they're probably on the right side of the bubble right now. To be yeah. perfectly well, I mean, honest. I just think, yeah. I, I just don't understand it. Like, you're the coach. I, I bet if you told these kids, hey, we really need you. Like, it's just like the vaccine thing. Like, be persuasive. Like, I I don't know. I think of it as like a parent. Like, kids don't always want to do what you want them to do. Sometimes you force them to do it. You convince them and force them to do what you want to do. You're the coach. And so, I mean, maybe it'll work out. Maybe, you know, John Camden, Onu, Jonathan Lawson, they'll stay for four years. And at the end of this, you know, they'll be these experienced fifth-year seniors. My gut tells me with the way college basketball is going, that is not gonna be the case. And it's gonna feel like, why did you redshirt these guys this year? Especially once you started losing all these guys to injury.
0: Yeah, I don't I mean, first off, I'm I I have serious doubts that um at least a couple of those redshirts are gonna be back next year. (laughs) That's exactly the point. I I I know, I know, I get it, but um, you know. It's I. It has been a very strange journey thus far for a lot of reasons, and well, I mean, what else is there really to say? Honest, it's been it's been a very very well, strange journey
1: for. Well, and I I wrote for, this. For, I wrote this in my column after the after the win over Tulsa, right? Like my the crux of my column was about like ultimately what What I think the outburst showed us, the the post smu, the the ultimate the ultimate end game of it is that it kind of proved that Memphis really wants Penny Hardaway to succeed in this job. Like they still want him to succeed. And that is the difference for Penny than your typical fourth year coach. You know, that's the difference between Penny and Tom Crean at Georgia or Penny and Chris Mack at Louisville. Like, the people at Louisville and the people at Georgia, I don't think they really care about Tom Crean or Chris Mack succeeding. People in Memphis, even if they're disappointed in the results Penny has produced, still want Penny Hardaway to be the one to succeed as the Memphis (laughs) coach. And I think the, the way Memphis rallied around Penny after that thing went viral kind of proved the point of not only is he not in danger at all of losing his job after this year. Like, frankly, it's going to take a lot. It's going to like, my personal opinion is Penny will never be fired from this job. It'll yeah. be him stepping away. It'll be a mutual parting. It'll be him getting an NBA job. If he turns you know, if he really turns things around, something like that. It'll, ne- I just don't think I, it's going to be really hard to fire him, given how much people love him here in Memphis. But I will say this, like, that's the reason he's going to keep his job. If he's going to succeed, and this is what I wrote, like, he's got to improve as a coach, you know, like the end of the ECU game where he, you know, has Tyler Harris covering a 6'6 guy and doesn't get the ball to Jalen Duren. And that's what I found encouraging about the Tulsa game is I saw progress from him as a coach with the way they ran the offense in that game, the way they executed the offense. I'm sure he had a good plan going into previous Tulsa games, but his teams weren't able to execute it. His team was able to execute it this past weekend. Um, And even at the end of the game, when he almost made the state, I led my column with this. He almost made people, maybe people didn't notice this. He almost made the same mistake again as he did against DCU. Where at the end of the game, Lomax is at the free throw line for those last two free throws And before he, uh, after he misses the first, Penny subs in uh, Lester, Quinones, for the final defensive possession, but subs out Malcolm Dandridge, which left them with Alo and Tyler, Lester and Josh Minot, and um, one other person. I'm trying to think. There was no true. Minot was the biggest guy on the floor. Maybe Imani was out there. No, I don't think Amani was out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, Earl. Earl Earl Timberlake was out there. Um, And then, you saw. so Alo misses the first free throw, and then Penny realizes what has happened, like what he's done. He's got these two sub-six-foot guards on the floor, including Tyler, who is, for how great he's been, is still a liability on defense because of his size. Luckily, Alo hits the second free throw. Which allows Penny to then sub Dandridge back in for Tyler Harris, but that showed growth. And then on that final possession, by the way, I think if you go that final possession is kind of a work of art for for Alex Lomax. He yes. single handedly like turns that possession into a total disaster for Tulsa with how he how he guarded. He switched on off a screen onto Earl Timberlake's man. And knocked the ball loose, then almost knocked it again. And then there was a guy in the corner who had a decent look for a second. And you know who closed out on him, Jason? It was Malcolm Dandridge. If that's Tyler Harris, that guy gets the shot off. But because it was Malcolm Dandridge, who's 6'9", the guy pump-faked, hesitated, threw the ball away. Like... Right. you know and that was a sign of growth even though it almost ha- he almost made the same mistake again penny but like right. he realized right and he learned from what had happened against ecu and um that's what i think people need to focus on like we can get into this this debate of whether he can get it done or not whatever like it's kind of moot because he's gonna get a chance to get it done like memphis is right. is is going to give him more chances to figure this out. What we should be paying attention to is, can he figure it out? Can he get, you know, can he improve? Because if he's going into this, off, if he's going into the rest of this season, if he's going into this offseason thinking he's done some great job and that they'd be undefeated if they just had injury luck, well, I, I think that's, that's overlooking some key structural problems from – how he developed chemistry with this team, the staff he put together that now, you know, doesn't have Rasheed Wallace, doesn't have a strength and conditioning coach anymore. Um, from the, you know, j- just the way they start seasons. It seems like it takes his teams much longer to gel than other teams. Like there's a lot of things, some of which you can't fix down the stretch here, but a lot of things I need think he needs to, you know, he needs some introspection some self scouting if you will just to, to to steal a coaching cliche that like that's what bothered me about the 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 outburst is that it felt like there was no acknowledgement of his own role in how this season has yeah. played out um so even though again that, he's right they are short-handed right now but like i just don't think that's quite the excuse he thinks it is
0: yeah We quick Point of order before we move on. You said they don't have a strength and conditioning coach anymore. They do. Uh, they don't have that's a Rob trainer. What do they tra- have? They they lost someone. Trainers. Yeah, they lost a the trainer right like the day before the first game of the season. Uh, Chris Simmons stepped down, and they they filled him. They 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 replaced him with a an athletic trainer from another sport um, who stayed around maybe for a month or so, and based on what I was told, uh, was doing a good job. And then eventually, once the football season ended, they moved Daryl Turner, the, um,
1: like like, the football, like the, the yeah, he's like the head. yeah,
0: he's of yeah, he's in charge of all of the athletic trainers, and so he's he's been the, the trainer now for a while. But, it, but that too, that to your point, that too has been an unsettled and chaotic. Yeah, it, it's been one thing in a, in a laundry list of uh, things that have been just. Uh, influx or, or chaotic or whatever you want to say, but uh, the thing, the the next point I want to make, spinning this forward is they have a chance now. I I, I do think that they have a chance to, you know, maybe they've gotten back on their feet again, um, and they have a chance to make some hay, uh, a little bit here. Um, I do think that that, like, let's say they even go undefeated into the conference tournament. I still think that that puts them on thin ice. Uh, I think they're still on thin ice from a, from an NCAA tournament at-large perspective. But, um, you know, you've got four days between the win at Tulsa and a home game against East Carolina. The re- th- these next four games are all winnable. UCF Every game more... in the AC is
1: winnable. Even the Houston game. Houston's shorthanded, too. They just keep winning, well, by are... the way.
0: Yeah, but these are even more winnable, is what I'm saying. Like you get East Carolina at home against you, you get a week off after that, a full week before you go to Natty. Then you come home, host UCF, and then you host Tulane before going to Houston. So you've got four. What is that four? Is that right? Four? Yes, four games before you have to go to Houston. Uh, three of them you could look at as revenge games. Um, you get them all at home. And then you get the Cincinnati game on the road, so like, yeah, like we could be looking up here in a couple of weeks and say and be saying Memphis is on a five-game winning streak going into Houston, but that's what needs to happen. Like that's what should be the expectation. Um, I I would just say this,
1: Jason. I I would, I would say a couple things to that. One, they just need to beat ECU right now. OK, like they beat the last place team in the league. OK, let's not by two points uh, and needed a dramatic comeback to do it. What they need to do is BDCU. I think, you know, because Penny mentioned after the game, like this could be the turning point of the season after they beat Tulsa. And I would say it wouldn't necessarily be because of the Tulsa game. It's because what you mentioned, they only have one game over the next week and a half. And hopefully. That allows you to get DeAndre Williams back, Landers Nolly back. Jalen Duran back, maybe Jaden Hardaway back. You know, like it allows you to get healthy now that you only have one game over the next week and a half. And then as for everything else, what I would say is I think people should have the date February 20th in mind. I'm not going to have another I I am not really ready to have a discussion about Memphis as an uh, Memphis and its NCAA tournament birth or where it's headed until February 20th. That's when they they play at SMU. Because I think these next six games, if you can go six and zero, we can start having another discussion. Five and one with a you know, maybe anything less than that. And I, you know, I don't really think you're you're I, I don't really think any discussion is really necessary, to be honest, given what you've yeah. done. But your next six yeah. are as you mentioned, ECU at home Thursday. Then at Cincinnati the following Thursday, UCF at home, Tulane at home, and then at Houston on February twelfth, then you have a week off, and at SMU February twentieth. Maybe there's a game they schedule in between there. Um it seems like that's unlikely, but yeah. uh maybe. Um maybe what you know, a couple weeks from now we hear from it. But like so that's the road ahead. But like I If they turn if if they turn it around, I think it's going to be let. It's not going to be because of the Tulsa win. It's going to be because they get healthy. You know, it's that's why it's going to be because DeAndre Williams comes back and Jalen Duran is back and Landers Nolly is back. Like to me, that that's the only way you can go six and zero in that six game stretch. I mean, ultimately, those that you know, like you know, they're they're good enough to beat. AAC teams with this shorthanded lineup. I don't know if they're good enough to win six games in a row being this shorthanded or perhaps, but, um, that's why I think you focus on progress, the pro- and it's yeah. specifically for me, because I think he's going to be the constant in the program moving forward. It's not going to be a certain player given the way college basketball is Penny Hardaway is going to be the constant. So I'm going to be paying attention to his progress as a coach During this stretch, whether they go three and three, four and two, whatever. Um, That's what I that's what I think you should be focused on, because, you know, I I think, frankly, this season has felt like at times more often than not, you go you come away thinking, man, Penny feels like he's a little in over his head here. Um, And that wasn't the case last year. You know, at the end of last year. It felt different. It felt like he had turned a corner, and the program had turned a corner. And you've lost that feeling. And I think what one of the keys down the stretch is to get that feeling back, and that yeah. that comes from, as you mentioned, you know, stacking wins and showing consistency. Not not not, you know, be, you know, looking great against UCF, but then coming out and losing to Tulane again, or looking great against. You know, coming from behind to beat Tulsa, but then you know, losing a close game at home to ECU. You know what I mean? Losing to ECU. Like it comes from consistency of effort, consistency of execution, consistency of, str- you know, game planning and strategy, and and you know the implementation of it. Um, that's where it comes from, and that's that's what I think is vital for this program, for this team, for this coach. Um as this, you know, as we hit the stretch run of the season. Um, but like I said, I, I think February 20th to me is a date I have marked off. Where are they on February 20th? You know, that's what I want to know. Um, where are you? Does, it, does it feel like they're just treading water? Does it feel like they're on a roll? Does it feel like, you know, at the very least, are they, you know, are they getting better? Are they, you know, have they, do you have that feeling back that like this thing, th- this thing can work and will work eventually. Maybe, maybe you dug yourself too big a hole this year, but this thing can work. I-, I think that to me is, 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 uh, is really, uh, interesting to watch play out over the next. So that, that's what 25 days from now, um, something like that, 26 days. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it is what it is right now. They got a nice win over Tulsa that felt more meaningful than beating the last place team in the league. And as you mentioned, they now have a stretch here that you can foresee them picking up steam if they can, you know, again, figure out that consistency, get get a little healthier, uh those sorts of things. Any any final thoughts from you, Jason?
0: Uh not really, nothing uh, nothing other than the that uh, all this being said, it it do, it doesn't matter unless you win Thursday, and that's uh, and and that's that's really should be the focus at this point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll have plenty of coverage uh, leading up to and during Thursday's game against S uh, against ECU uh, over at CommercialAppeal.com, um, and uh, hopefully uh, the Tiger. Hope maybe we'll see some guys back. Health, you know, you know, back in the lineup. Chandler Lawson made his return against Tulsa. Maybe we'll get more guys making their return against D.C.U. or or a week from now, a week from then against um, against Cincinnati. But um, interesting moment uh, for the Tigers, both looking looking back over the past week and looking ahead to the to what's what's ahead of them. Uh, So we shall see how it all turns out. Till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your week.
0: The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of The Commercial Appeal.